Welcome to Talking Business Now. I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thank you for joining us. We're Talking Business Now with Bob Fish, the author of Fish Tales, the Making of a Millennial Baby Boomer. He's recognized as a pioneer in value-priced fast fashion retailing. Bob rose to the rank of president at Casual Corner, and he's the former CEO of Rue 21, a retailer of women's casual apparel and accessories. As CEO of Rue 21, Bob took it from bankruptcy to a fast-track winning streak that included a hot stock IPO, building a national network of 1,200 stores, and a billion-dollar-plus valuation. Bob earned the reputation as a disruptor in the retail industry, and he's at it again as he works to expand what he calls the millennial baby boomer brand and mindset. In this episode of Talking Business Now, Bob talks with us about his new book and what baby boomers still don't understand about their millennial co-workers. Welcome, Bob. Hey, welcome, Kelly. It's great to be on your show. I am dying to know... What is a millennial baby boomer? Everybody always likes to ask that, and I'll be happy to tell you. First off, millennial baby boomer, I have now the registration and the intellectual property for millennial baby boomer, and so no one else can use it. I own it, and I'm certainly going to enjoy using it. Yeah, it's a great brand. Yeah, so so to me, I was really looking forward to getting that a couple of months ago, and really... I'm really technically the first of many because it's not like I'm the only one that really is there because it's really blending of the millennial and baby boomer thought pattern mentality and lifestyle. And it's not what you are, it's who you are as a person. And so so to me, it's really something that I've always been able to, whether early in my career or life, relate to people older than me. Uh, just remember, we were all 25 years old once. Oh, yes. Yes. A long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) So, but the point is, is that, you know, so, so to me, baby boomers were 23, 25. And you, you know, you keep that title, you know, even if you get older, and the same thing's going to happen with millennials and Generation Z. Mm -hmm. So to me, though, it's really the blending of different generations and some of their characteristics. And I really relate well to people that are younger than me by a lot and even pe- and people my own age. And so, so to me, I looked at it and felt that when we talk about, you know, going further talking about bridging the gap and mutual mentoring, it was all like millennial baby boomer is really, I can be relating to both. What you're basically saying is that a lot of times we apply labels to things and they really get in the way. You know, in this instance, you're not defining millennials or baby boomers by their age. It's really more about the mindset. So, so talk about how, when you put those labels, the baby boomer and the millennial labels on people, how do they get in the way of how people view each other and how they interact in the workplace? Right now, there's a big cliche thing happening out there, Kelly, about OK Boomer. Oh, yes. And there's T-shirts of it, OK Boomer, have a terrible day. I actually did a blog a month ago with Forbes, and I did not just OK Boomer, I did OK Millennial, and then Have a Terrible Day t-shirt. And neither of it is what I want, is having a terrible day. It's try not to, as you're saying, stereotype what people are, but everybody has characteristics. I mean, you know, to me, that you know, relate to different generations and it's really the blending of it. And so to me, what I look at is, you know, millennials, 
are people that I see are very creative and have some great new vision, and they don't always know how to take the vision to fruition. Mm-hmm. and make it happen and that's where the baby boomer comes in and so you know there's the stereotypes where millennials are thinking like the baby boomers getting in the way of their jobs and they can't get ahead honestly that was never how i looked at people is whether you were 25 or whether you were 45 who's doing the best job and who really understands the company and understands what we're at but it's getting people to understand that and so so that what I see and as a millennial, you know, and it's now the baby boomer gets worried saying, well, the millennial is going to take my job. <laughs> and I said, no, I think you have to be open to changing things up and getting out of your comfort zone. I formed a millennial advisory board, Kelly. And, you know, not only for the book, originally it started out to help me put the book together, but it's also building my brand, millennial baby boomer. And, and going after that. And so I have a group of people that are millennials and generation X's and baby boomers together. And it's great. Some of these young people get me out of my comfort zone mm-hmm. and, and help me reinvent and recreate yourself. You know, so to me, so it's, it's how you get millennials, which we'll talk about to do things, but it's also baby boomers. And to me, look, I see something happening out there, and and there's a real wave right now going on of this because, you know, when I started, I made my decision to go with Forbes, with Steve Forbes and Adam Witte, who is the president of Forbes Books. They saw a big white space opportunity of millennials and baby boomers working together, and he didn't realize that thinking that, gee, not the baby boomers just you know mentor millennials the millennials can teach baby boomers things and that's what i find every day and i i find that it's great to have people getting me out of my comfort zone and reinventing myself and one other further thing is that the people today who are 25 or 30 kelly are going to live to 100 oh yes and the people the people who are just born are going to be spry 80s working and they're going to live to 110 that means you're going to be working 80 years of your life potentially you know maybe i'm not going to be but other people are and so you might have a couple of professions and people could say to me when i left route 21 after building it into the largest specialty store retailer in store count in america you know well i guess you're retired No, I was looking to do other things. I always want to be around people, and I thought mentoring people would be great and building relationships would be great. But people are going to be living a long time, so so they need to understand this and learn how to work together. You actually took the next question I had right out of my mouth, which was you are the successful retailer, uh, Route 21. You totally reinvented after taking it over, really recreated it to where you were pretty much the founder of the reincarnation of the store, you could have written your ticket after you exited. Why did you, really besides the reasons that you just said, uh, go a little deeper with that, why did you decide that this was where you were going to make your next mark? Why this, when there's so many things you could have done? Well, actually, that's a great question and very good thinking question. And you're absolutely right. Look, I 
took this business and it was crazy and I took it into bankruptcy right after I first got there and then never missed an estimate as a high growth company for 11 straight years of 45 quarters. I took it back. We took it back to private. Then we took it public and then I sold it back to the equity guys for over a billion dollars. And I was going to go public again, but it just it ended up crazy, whatever. If I was still at Rue and writing this book and building my future, it would have been a memoir. It would have been all about me and Rue. And that's not what it's about. I realized that what I really enjoy in life, Kelly, is giving back where from not just theory. A lot of people write books about theory and how you should do things. And mine wasn't theory. It's all actual practice of things that I built something that most people never did. And nobody really cares all the time about, oh, gee, what you did in the past. It's how you take the past to the future. So if I was going to keep my legacy, it was then to building something and saying I'm a published author. But I wanted to give back and to help people be better than they ever thought they could be in business or life and taking a stand and taking risks and making something of themselves. And that's what I really enjoy. So we have this gap that you talk about between the generations. And one of the things that you believe helps bridge that generation gap is mutual mentoring. You've been referring to it a bit in our conversation so far. Let's drill down on it. How does mutual mentoring work and why is it important? I believe so much that I don't think it's just being from from the past of something. It's just, you know, I started out at Abraham and Strauss, which is part of Federated Companies today now, that was like being on the Boston Celtics or the Lakers and then having great coaches and you became a great coach and, you know, great training and everything like that. But I believe that people in mutual mentoring is that it's all about leadership, first of all, is that. I'm somebody, I don't know if it's corny or whatever, that I built a corporation, big billion-dollar corporation, where I could really, it was all about building a family, a business. It's not like that today all the time, but it's how you have to put your energy into it. I had 20,000 people working for me, and 90% of them were under 35. Mm -hmm. I had 400 in the office and 300 were between 20 and 30 years old. And somehow we built this huge business. So it's working together. And right. and I, you know, that to me, I felt that's what I should really be working on. And mutual mentoring is really, is that I had so many good mentors in my life, but you, you make those mentors. It's not lucky. You find them. And I find that I love having young people who pushed to mentor me and uh, pushed to mentor other people. And I think you have to foster those relationships and you start it as the baby boomer to get them to really trust you and understand you because trust and understanding to me is still something that's important, not just data. It's about people. What do you teach each other? Well, as I write in my, in the title of subtitle of my book, I me, mean, I teach them business and they teach me life. And so you work together on it. So for example, they have a lot of great creativity. They understand technology better than I do. My God, now I'm, I'm all of a sudden in the middle of spending all the time in social media and really learning how to utilize that properly because I'm not 27 years old. So, but you, but you have to do that. And so they bring a great knowledge that you bridge the gap. And so Look, I was working with somebody uh, who ran a company, Jet Smarter, uh, Sergey Petrosov, and he is somebody who's 30 years old and built, was building this big business. But it's how to take a vision 
vision to be the Airbnb of the skies that you were trying to build to fruition. And you need the help of people that have had that experience. So I think that's the blending. And so instead of being people knocking each other, it's that. And one other thing, I believe so much of mentoring, there's reverse mentoring. That the the that's, and that's what Adam Whitty was saying to me is that is that is the young people mentoring the baby boomers or or Generation X's in business and in life, mm-hmm. and and you know so that's what I uh, two things one I did that at Rue you know where I would form groups of people that young people coming up with new ideas that we should have in merchandise or new categories of business or just thinking differently. And they didn't always know how to take it, strategize it to the nth degree and financially understand it. But that's where somebody with experience helps and you work together on it. Does that make sense to you? It it does. And I love the term that you give that, the the way you refer to that as generation splicing, where basically you are bridging that divide and putting the best, really, of both generations together. Yeah, because I look at things in life is the best is yet to come for people. There's too many people of the 25 to 30, and, and you know, you might know that, whether it's in your family or people around you at work, that feel like, gee, I'm not successful yet to where I should be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we grew up, it was like, you know, you took one step at a time and you had you were driven, but it wasn't like, gee, if we weren't uh, well, Mark Zuckerberg's and then at 25 or 30 years old making millions of dollars, the best is yet to come. It doesn't always happen then. And you, tr- I try to teach young people that they can have a family, they can have business and really develop that, but don't try to cover all bases at once the pieces of the puzzle take time to put together so you know so that's the whole thing about generation splicing and and tying it together it's you know it doesn't matter as you said earlier it's a lifestyle approach of of who we are but Mm -hmm. we we really need to work with people and realize and they need to realize calm down you you can be successful the best years that i had were probably in my 50s to early 60s and if I would have just got scared at 30, you know, people 30 go, what's going to happen with me? They're going to be, have to be around a long time. So you have to help teach them. But I think you have to, just like with kids, they don't always want to listen to you, but you have to make them see that you kind of are smart about something and, and you do care about them because young people are selfish. We were selfish. <laughs> so I can't be thinking about me like, well, they should be thinking about me because I've achieved all this. No, I got to think about them and saying, how do I get through to them so they really understand so I can help them? Yeah, let's put some practical applications around it. I mean, I love everything that you're saying, but let's say, you know, I'm in, let's put it in the work environment. I am a, a CEO or a top-level manager, and I've got a multi-generational workforce that's bookended by, uh, on the one side, millennials, on the other side, you know, baby boomers, and, uh, you know, there's a, another generation that's quickly coming up even behind the millennials. But uh, I'm here, and, and maybe I do have some dissension in my company, and, and the Two generate those two in, in in particular those two generations aren't getting along. What is your advice for putting into action everything that you have just said? I think the way I've lived my life and passed that down to people because it again is not theory is not to be afraid to take a stand and take action and speak up. Mm-hmm. I find a lot of young people are afraid to do that to really 
speak up and put things on the line. I'm not telling you they should all put their jobs on the line like sometimes I did. No, but they need to speak up and they need to be clear that when they do have a, a proper message, okay, that they are not just thinking just because the way they want to do things, but they're thinking about how it's going to affect their customer, the environment, and how does it affect the person who they're speaking to. And that's where I talk about weaponizing listening yes. because it's you have to listen. And, and that's any age. I don't believe it's just the millennials don't listen. I believe any, any age bracket doesn't. But to me, it's leadership, mentorship, and weaponizing listening. And I think it's getting people to understand that, that if they want to put it on the line and have some point, because people say, well, I come to work every day, I do my job. What are you doing that makes a difference? You know, hey, I got I to gotta tell you, Kelly, this is a world today in business that not everybody realizes you're supposed to make a profit. <laughs> so <laughs> so people today are like, well, I, I'm, I'm going to build it. I'm going to build something in value in the company. Profit. I don't know if we're going to make a profit. Well, right now with credit terms being low, where people can get interest rates low, that's okay. But it's going to change a lot, and it's already changing. Look what happened to WeWorks mm -hmm. in companies like that. People are going to have to make money, so they're going to have to realize that. And so I don't want to tell them like that. I have um, I have an attitude and have all the answers to life, and you need to learn from me because everybody's got to learn themselves. But you have to help them a little to learn for themselves, just like you would do with your family. So I'm very passionate about that, and nothing is more important to me now in my life uh, than to give back where I can have people really doing well who really want it. Somebody who doesn't want it, I can't push them. But somebody wants it. So that's what I feel about that. And and so so to me, that's working that together. And you have to practice what you preach. And you really, you know, what I did well, I put it on the line. And you can't worry about fear. You're going to make mistakes. And I think people, I like to push people and throw them into the water to see how they swim. But then you got to be there for them to give them the lifeline. Too many people say, all right, you didn't swim, so you're gone. No. I don't believe in that. I, I believe you have to build people. And so that's what makes me a little different. And, and that's what I really enjoy doing. You work with a lot of youth. You work with baby boomers, too. What are some of the specific things when you think about the, the travel that you do and your interactions with younger people? What, what are some of the things that you most appreciate? I know you've talked about creativity and, and you know, they're more familiar with technology. Uh, but is there anything else, something that a little deeper maybe that you gain from them? Well, I gain from them that they really make a difference and I try to have them feel that they can really influence me. I, I've learned something. There's a, there's a gentleman that runs a big, big company called Estee Lauder, this guy named um, Fabricio Frida. And he took a business in 2009 that was huge at $7 billion and worth $7 billion. You won't believe it today. It's a $14 billion company in sales, but $75 billion in value. It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. But what he did five years ago was very interesting. Is Here you think working with the Lauder family and everything, it's stuffy or whatever. He started building with millennials, working on coming up with new ideas and new companies to buy, new new businesses to look at, new products, and now has 475 millennials working with 300 senior executives in 22 countries 
and it's called reverse mentoring. And so I look at things like that, and that's kind of how I looked at building Rue on a smaller basis than him. But that if he could do that, then other people could do that. And it's really being able to give back. Look, we've had somebody recently that's just obviously passed away along with other people, and that's Kobe Bryant. Mm -hmm. And nothing is more passionate then no matter where you live, whether you're in Kansas, Missouri, whether you're in New York, whether you're in California, you know, wherever. And the thing that's great was not him as a player, it's him as a person and a human being and a father and how he really wanted to see people develop and push them further. And I believe that that's what I feel about. And I owe that to listening to somebody like him and realizing he was a greater man than I ever realized. And that that's what life's about. And the best is yet to come in life, whether it's for a millennial, a generation X or a baby boomer, if you want to let it be that way. What a great note to end the show on, Bob. I mean, you can't get any better than that. The best is yet to come. Your book, Fish Tales: The Making of a Millennial Baby Boomer. Where can we get a copy? Sure. You First of all, my website is millennialbabyboomer.com, and it's got a lot of good stuff in there, including blogs and podcasts and media action, and we have the books on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and uh, Target and, other, and there's other fine stores. And I really am very interactive on uh, Fishtails1 on my Instagram, which is F-I-S-C-H-T-A-L-E-S-1, and, you know, just different interactions in social media. And so, to me, that's uh, where you can get it. And uh, I look to make a difference. And I think that the School of Fish lessons in the book and the, and the chapters have great things that aren't just theory. They're action that you could take that I really want to give back and see people do better than they ever could be. And the best is yet to come. Thank you so much for joining us today, sharing this mission and for engaging all of us in it and inviting us into it as well. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Kelly. I really enjoyed being on your show. Thank you so much. And I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thanks for joining us today. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.